This message was recorded live at the Ark Church in Conroe, Texas. If you had asked me a couple of months ago about the phrase stopping the spread, I think the idea most people will look at, at a man of my maturity and figure I was talking about the battle of the waistline. How much has changed in just a couple of months and actually just a couple of weeks, but it made me start thinking about what does it mean to, to stop the spread? What are the things that spread? And I thought of some things that I don't want to see spread. Uh, the first one is lice. When I, Christina, my daughter, who's now a mom, but when she was in first grade, she came home with lice and then she gave it to Joy. And both of them have long hair. Joy has that long, dark hair. And I, I don't know if, if the treatment for lice has changed, but I felt like the gorilla family. We just sat there for just, it seemed like weeks on end, pulling lice out of one of the, I hated that. You don't want lice to spread. Fire ants is another thing you don't want to see spread. I'd never even seen fire ants until I came to Texas. And I moved down, we had a fire ant mound in our backyard and I thought I was gonna wipe it out with the lawnmower. So I, I just took the lawnmower and rolled over it and just flattened it and thought that, thought that did the trick. And of course I was attacked by those fire ants that lit me up. But then the, a couple of days later, I noticed now I had like three more mounds. And so fire ants can spread. Here's another thing that can spread, gossip can spread and you don't want it to. So the best thing to do is just don't do it. But social media has now added a whole nother level uh, to gossip. Those are things that you don't want to see spread, but I got another one for you. You don't want to see fear spread. You want to stop that spread because fear is not such a good thing. One of my favorite stories was of a, a man who was spending some extra time in a bar one night and decided he didn't need to drive home. He needed to walk home. So he actually took a shortcut through a graveyard that was his well-known shortcut, but didn't realize that right in the middle of his well-known path, they just dug a fresh grave and he fell in it. And so as he was in the, in the grave, he was trying to get out and he was jumping, but his, in his altered state, he couldn't get out of the, of the grave. So finally he just said, oh, forget it. And he just curled up in the corner and went to sleep. He had no sooner fallen asleep than another customer of the very same bar comes down the very same shortcut and falls in the very same grave. Never saw the guy in the corner. So he's jumping and jumping, trying to get out. And the guy in the corner wakes up and finally said in a mournful voice, it's no use. He'll never get out. <laughs> but he did. Fear is, is something that can motivate us. Now you may be thinking fear is good. Well, the answer is no, fear is not good. Because what fear does is it has an impact on us. In fact, Jesus even warned us about fear. And he told us this in John 14, 27. He said, peace I leave with you, my peace I give to you, not as the world gives do I give to you. Let not your heart be troubled, neither let it be afraid. So Jesus used some interesting words. He's warning us about fear and he uses some interesting words. He says, don't let your heart be troubled. And actually that word means agitated and timid and fearful. So he's understanding that this is not something that's good. He said, well, I can't help myself, but he already gave us the answer. He said, I'm leaving you with my peace. I'm giving you my peace. And the beautiful thing about that is if you're, if you're thinking, well, how in the world could Jesus give us his peace? We understand that Jesus had a relationship with the Father, the God of peace that brought peace into his life. 
And when Jesus and maybe his disciples didn't understand it then, we understand it now. The Bible said because of him, we have boldness and access with confidence to God because of our faith in Jesus Christ. That boldness, that access, that confidence gives us a sense of peace that we don't have to allow our hearts to be agitated and fearful and timid. One of the things that we know is that's good for us, but it also has an impact on other people as well. When Matthew, my oldest son that you saw out here, he's always been an energetic child. And when he was about four years old, I, was, I had bath duty that night and uh, gave Matt his bath. And in the middle of, of taking his bath, he falls. And this, this tub was a little bit old, the old porcelain tub, hard. And he fell and just split his chin right under here. Now, he's a pretty tough kid. I mean, he always had a great pain threshold. He, he wasn't crying. And so I looked at it and, and immediately knew we we're going to have to go get stitches. So we, Christina was just, well, she was little. She was maybe two. Um, and so I knew we were going to have to arrange some things. So I go downstairs to get joy. And when I went downstairs, I told her, I said, honey, I said, you need to understand something. Matt cut himself. We're going to have to get stitches. When you go up there, he's not crying. Don't you overreact to this. And she assured me that she wouldn't do it. And then we go up upstairs. And the first thing she does when she sees him, she goes <gasps> like this. And as soon as she reacted, he reacted and he started crying. He's been fine. And she, she double clutched it and pulled it in and kind of smiled and said, oh, you're okay. And I'm giving her the dagger eye, like, come on now, we got to get, take this child to the hospital. By the way, she bailed out on me at the hospital too. They lay him down there. They're giving him the, the, the shot for the anesthesia so they can stitch him up. I look around for joy. She's gone. She just left and, and left me with it. I know y'all think she is so tough. She, uh, she has her weak areas. But her fear transmitted to Matthew and that he was fine until she reacted. We want to stop the spread of lice, fire, ants, and gossip, but we certainly want to stop the spread of fear. We're doing everything we can right now to stop the spread of this virus. But the ongoing effect is the fear that it's bringing into people's lives with the uncertainty that's out there. And God always knew that we needed to not allow fear to spread in our lives. It's interesting that when God spoke to the nation of Israel, he mentioned to them principles governing warfare. The Old Testament and some of those early books like Deuteronomy, you see it in Exodus, Numbers, God is giving his people principles about how they should live. And it's very different. And so we're going to read those in, in Deuteronomy. These are the principles that he set up for his nation and they were governing how the nation was, was supposed to go to war because they were a different nation. So we'll read this here in Deuteronomy 20. It says, when you go out to battle against your enemies and see horses and chariots and people more numerous than you, do not be afraid of them for the Lord your God is with you who brought you up from the land of Egypt. So it shall be that when you are on the verge of battle that the priest shall approach and speak to the people and he shall say to them, Hear, O Israel, today you are on the verge of battle with your enemies. Do not let your heart faint. Do not be afraid. Do not tremble or be terrified because of them. For the Lord your God is he who goes with you to fight for you against your enemies to save you. Now, Jumping down to verse 8. 
The officers shall speak further to the people and say, What man is there who is fearful and faint-hearted? Let him go and return to his house, lest the heart of his brethren faint like his heart. Now, this is a whole nother strategy. He's talking to Israel, but as he's talking to Israel, he's talking to a nation that has an involvement with God, that God was to be involved in every different, every aspect of their life. And so he's, he's beginning to talk to them about how they're going to go to warfare. And he reminds them that he's going with them. That they're not alone. Israel, they were back then, and they are almost always today an outnumbered people. They were almost always outnumbered. They were never outmatched because with God on their side, they have always proven to be more than enough for their enemies. So he warns them of this, but then it's so unusual that the priest would come and talk. Not the general, not the, not the captain of the army. Now he, the first speaker to the army was the priest. And the priest would stand up there and he would remind the people about God's promises, that, that God promised to be with them and that God promised to save them. So he's encouraged, and then he begins to encourage them. Don't be discouraged. Don't be faint-hearted. Though this is the priest talking. In fact, we see the same words. Don't let your heart be afraid. Don't let yourself be faint-hearted. Don't tremble. Don't let yourself be terrified. We see him, him just begin to exhort. And this is the priest. These people haven't even fought yet, but the priest is reminding them, you're not in this battle by yourself. God is in this thing with you and you're going to be okay. He's going to help you. So don't be afraid. You resist fear. Isn't that fascinating? A lot of times people think that the, that the priest, I mean, basically it's like the preacher standing up and talking to the army but he had words that they could go by and words that they could live by, words of faith that helped them. Listen, when you're seeing something bad and the army was seeing something bad, they needed to hear something good. And that's why the priest was the one who spoke to them first. So the priest shares that short message and then he sits down and the next speaker comes up. Well, the next speaker is a captain of the forces and he has some stipulations about who can fight and who can't fight and who should go home. But then in verse eight, he said something very fascinating. He said, if you are afraid, if you are faint-hearted, you need to go home so that your brothers, your, 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 your fighting brethren aren't faint. They, you don't scare them like you were scared. Now that's, that's it. <laughs> that is completely against most military strategy. But God's saying is, I need people in here who will believe and will not be afraid. And God's saying fear was a bigger problem than being outnumbered because with God on their side, they were going to come through this. Now, just as you hear that, just imagine that you are the one who is going to, to battle. You're a farmer in Israel and you go out there and you're standing on the verge of the battle and across, across the valley is the enemy. Right on your, on your right side is your next door neighbor, Fred. Fred works IT down at the bank. And then on the other side is Brandon, his son. You don't know what he does. He plays a lot of video games, but they're standing there with you and they're looking at the, at the army on the other side. And Fred starts chirping. He's like, man, that's a, that's a lot of people over there. And look, you can see the sun shining off their shields. They've got, they've got new armor and they've got pretty shields and can you hear those horses? Those, those horses, you have to understand, chariots were like tanks. 
And they look at those horses and those tanks and the chariots are stamping and Fred keeps talking about, and then Fred starts, we're going to die. I, I, I know we're going to die. It's going to be all over. We're going to die. And you're thinking to yourself, I wish Fred would shut up. And then the priest comes out and you look at Fred and go, isn't that your priest? And he's like, yeah, I, I go to his church. And the priest talks and Fred's quiet for a little bit. But then the priest stops talking and Fred starts chirping again. I, I just don't know. I know he said God's with us, but I just don't know if it's going to happen. I, I, I think we're all going to die. Then the officer stands up and said, if you are afraid, go home. And you look around and Fred's gone. And you're thinking to yourself, I am glad Fred's gone because the guy who stood up next to me and took Fred's place has got a little bit of steel in his eye. And then I look over at Brandon and Brandon, I don't know how well he plays video games, but he's, he looked like he's ready to get it on with his, with his sword. And you're thinking, okay, now we got some people and with God's help, we're going to win this battle. God had a great idea. He knew exactly what he was talking about that when you're in a situation like that, you got to stop the spread of fear. God who created us, he knows what we're made of. He knows what makes us tick. And he, he understands that fear is the problem. You say, well, that's a great story. But how do I apply it to my situation today? I'm stuck at home. I have kids at home. I've got situations. My, my job's a little bit tenuous. I, I don't know all the things that are going to happen. I really believe we can take those very same principles that we, we just read in Deuteronomy and we can apply them to our situation today. We can apply them to our life. We can make those work for us. Let me give you some things that you can do, very practical things, but it's things we can do to stop the spread of fear. The first one is this, is recognize that fear is an enemy. You see, we have to understand that God knew that he needed to get fear out of his army because fear is corrosive. It has the ability to, to weaken a fighting force and it can, it can weaken us. It, it really can be a, a detriment to our environment. It's, it's, not a, it's not a positive, it's corrosive. And not only is it corrosive, it's contagious. And so if we're in fear, it can spread to the workplace. Now our workplaces may have changed dramatically, but we're still in contact with people. And our, our, our faith or fear is what's gonna be transmitted. And fear is contagious. In 1939, Great Britain was on the edge of war and they knew it was coming with England, excuse me, with Germany. And as they were, the British War Department was getting ready for this war, they knew that they had to help the mindset of the English people, that there was going to be problems, that there was going to be hardships. And so they actually came up with three different posters that they wanted to dis distributed all around the country. The first one said, it was written, it was addressed to the English people, your courage, your cheerfulness, and your resolve will bring us victory. That was a poster that they put up around the country. I think, I think the second one was, your freedom is in peril, fight with all your might. The British War Department was thinking, we have got to impact the mindset of the people because we can't have them giving in to fear. We can't have them yielding to fear, that fear presents as much of a problem as the Germans did. And so they, they recognized that and they put, those, they put those posters up. They had one more poster that they had in reserve for if things got really tough. And that poster was the one that you may have seen today keep calm and carry on. 
So that was the third poster. It never got distributed. In fact, after the first two posters didn't have the effect that they wanted it to have, the resolve and the, and the strength of the British people surprised the War Department, and they never brought out the third poster, Keep Calm and Carry On. In fact, it was discovered 50 years later at the bottom of a, of a, a big box of old used books, and some bookstore in, in the northeastern part of England put it up, and the phrase called on. It called on in Great Britain. It's called on all over the world. Keep calm and carry on. I like keep calm and carry on. i tell you which one I like better. I actually like thank God, take courage better, but they both still convey the same message. Resist. We have to understand that fear is an enemy. And you have to understand that fear is an enemy to you. It's not going to help you. It can impact your environment in a negative way. In fact, in the book of Isaiah, the prophet Isaiah was actually speaking about the, the day that we're living in now and what would happen when we have this covenant relationship with God through the Lord Jesus Christ. And this is what he said in the book of Isaiah. So all your sons, or you say your children, will be taught of the Lord and the well-being of your children, sons, will be great. In righteousness, you will be established and you will be far from oppression for you will not fear and from terror for it will not come near you. He's saying that he was, he was writing about the day that we're living in now. He's saying that you're going to begin to teach your children of the Lord. This is a great time to teach your children that God is big and God is good and God can help you. And that, that we are established in righteousness. Now, it's not our own righteousness. Our righteousness is through Jesus Christ, through our faith in Christ. That's the only way that we have any kind of right standing. But we do have wonderful right standing with Him. And because of that right standing, it says oppression is going to be far from us because we won't fear. And so fear opens the door to oppression. And so you want, we want to do everything we can to recognize Fear's an enemy. I need, to, I need to stop it. This has got to stop. So we recognize it's a problem. Here's the second thing. You want to begin to resist fear. Now, one of the, one of the best ways that you can resist, I'll give you some ways to resist fear. You say, well, how, how in the world can I resist fear? I can't see it. You actually can resist it. One of the best ways is what are you focusing on? What you're looking at and what you're talking about can either can either build your faith or it, it can cause you to be afraid. And I'll give you one, one of my favorite examples. When I was a kid growing up, we, uh, we were part of a Baptist church. It was a good Baptist church and they had an RA program. That was Royal Ambassadors. Is like a, it was like a Christian Boy Scouts back then. We're talking the, we're talking the 60s. And every, every year we would take the annual bike hike in the summer, I mean, excuse me, in the spring and we would, we would ride out to this camp and uh, with our bikes and we would actually ride on the, on the county roads out there. I can't believe we were able to get away with this, but this is the 60s when people didn't sue everybody like crazy. So we're out there and we would ride a few miles to this camp and then we would park our bikes and we would have such a good time, man. We played capture the flag. We ate all kinds of junk food. We stayed up late, ate a bunch of s'mores and in the fire, we sat around a fire. And I don't know what it was about our particular church, but for some reason, they just felt like every time, you went to ch every time you went to a camp, somebody had to stand up and scare the daylights out of the kids. And so we had a guy there who could tell ghost stories, and he really could tell ghost stories. He had a deep, booming voice, and he told some ghost story about 
about someone who was supposed to have died, but then he came back and he would park underneath someone's window and he would point his finger up at the window and he would go, are you ready? I mean, this guy had a great voice too. But what was amazing was you're a 10 year old boy. You're, you're at that age where you don't care about girls. You don't care about anything but having fun. And you're out there with your buddies. You're having the best time. Everyone's talking and laughing, but he starts to tell that ghost story and the whole environment begins to change. Are you ready? And you see 10 year old boys start staring into the fire. It gets quiet. Get that look on their eyes. People aren't eating anything. They're just listening to the ghost story. What's going on? Fear. What they're hearing, what they're looking at, what they're focusing on is causing fear. It's the only time, only time I've ever seen a young man stand up and say, I'm going to the bathroom. And three guys go, and we'll go with you. It's what you're looking at, what you're focusing on. Now here's, here's the second one. And this is, this is very, very similar. If you're going to resist fear, one of the best things you can do is, is you got to hear something different. It's the same thing as the, the army of Israel. When you're seeing something bad, you need to be hearing something good. Now I shared this, this scripture on Wednesday night. I think it's a great one during this time. It's found in Proverbs, the 12th chapter, verse 25. And it says this, anxiety in the heart of man causes depression, but a good word makes it glad. A good word can make it glad. Anxiety, looking around us, seeing all the things that are going on. If, if that's the only thing that we're seeing and hearing, if that's the only thing that we're focusing on, then it's going to cause problems. That's one of the reasons, guys, we're doing everything we can to bring content to you so you can hear something different. So you can hear a good word. You can hear good sermons. But you can also, you can also read our Bible 365. You can begin to read scriptures, begin to pray. And maybe you're saying to yourself, you know, Alan, this is really different for me. You know, this, this, is, this is different. I haven't been much for reading my Bible. I haven't been much for praying. I know it's different, but different times call for a different response. I, I can't tell you how many times we've looked at one another around the staff and go, boy, this is a really different time. Everyone's like, this is really, we've never faced anything like this before. Different times, different response. What a great time. For you to say, you know what I'm going to do? I, I'm, I'm actually going to change some things. I'm, I'm going to begin to read my Bible. I'm going to begin to, to pursue my relationship with God. And in doing that, I'm hearing something good. And in hearing something good, that will give me the ability to have gladness in my heart instead of just simply looking at all the negatives that are going on. That can make a huge difference. And then here's just a very practical, and this one, this one might surprise you. When the priest stood up and talked to the, to the soldiers in Israel, I think it's very interesting. He said, don't be fainthearted, don't be afraid, and don't tremble. Now that's a, that's a physical manifestation, trembling. He said, don't tremble. Now, if you think, well, what in the world does that got to do with anything? Actually, it has a lot. If you ever have to make a business presentation or maybe go in for an interview and you go to a performance coach and you talk to them, a performance coach will always help you. But one of the things they will tell you, say, I, I, I got to stand up and make this presentation. I hate public speaking. A lot of people hate to speak in public. And, say, and so what often a performance coach will tell you to do is they'll tell you before you go in, you stand up real tall and strong. You open up, you use 
big body language. You don't, you don't tighten, use big body language. And you say, what, what has that got to do? Basically what it's saying is, I'm going to act like someone who's not afraid, even though on the inside, I may be trembling. And that's a great, actually that's a great thing to do. How would you act if you were strong and fearless? You can bring calm and confidence into the situation. Now, I suggest you do the first things, first couple of things I mentioned first, that you, you focus on something that's positive. Don't keep focusing on the negative, that you begin to read scriptures, but you begin to put God's word in you. But then don't act like someone who's afraid. Now, parents, here's, here's one of the questions that we keep having come our way. Alan, how do I keep my children from being afraid in times like this? And that's a great question. You might, it depends on the age of your kids, but I, I will tell you something that's almost universal. And they, science has actually proven this, that people are calmer when the person in leadership is calm and confident. One of the best things you can do as a parent during this time is to tell your children, God's gonna help us. God's gonna bring us through and that you act calm and confident. If you're freaking out, there's a good chance that they could freak out. A number of years ago when, when Matt was five years old, he and I were having to, we were getting ready to move cross country and I rented this big, this big U-Haul truck and Matt was in me, he's, he's five, he's in there with me. Man, I'm having a hard time driving this truck and I'm trying to work the clutch and I pull out in traffic and the truck stalls and Matt, Matt looks over at me. He says, pray, Daddy. He said, pray in tongues, Daddy. He just said, pray, Daddy. He understood that he could feel the fear in that truck cab from me, and it reacted on a five-year-old boy. So listen, if you're in these times and you, and you feel like I'm freaking out, I can't expect my kids to be calm. No, you, you be calm. Ask the Lord, say, Lord, help me bring some calm and some peace in there. And that actually, actually can bring some calm and peace into your home. Recognize fear as an enemy, resist fear, and then don't remember, remember this, remember that we are positioned differently. You see, Israel was dealt with differently because God was involved in every aspect of their life. We are positioned differently because we're God's people and He's involved in every aspect of our life. We're not abandoned in this. In fact, I, there's a verse in 1 Peter that says, uh, 1 Peter 1 that says this, you are a chosen generation, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, his own special people, that you may proclaim the praises of him who called you out of darkness into his marvelous light. I love that, You're his own special people, that you may proclaim that. And that's actually not talking as much about verbally. It's talking about that you, one verse, that you may show the excellencies of him. That in other words, that we're God's people and we're to show that we've got God in our life and that he's called us out of darkness into his marvelous light, promise you that fear is a work of darkness. All throughout the Bible, you hear, you hear the Lord say, fear not. It's not of him. God is light and in him there is no darkness at all. And he's called us out of darkness into his marvelous, marvelous light. So remember who you are and then remember that you're not alone in this. You're not abandoned in this. That even during difficult times that we can still thrive as God's people. We have a God. Israel was reminded that they could be strong because God was with them and would help them. They kept reminding themselves of God's promises 
to help them and his power to save them. And we have those same promises. I love the verse in, in Jeremiah. It's, it's a really good one. In Jeremiah 17, where the prophet is speaking, he says, blessed is the man who trusts in the Lord and whose hope is the Lord. For he shall be like a tree planted by the waters, which spreads out its root by the river and will not fear when heat comes, when the pressure comes and not fear. But its leaf will be green and will not be anxious in the year of drought, nor will cease from yielding fruit. Man, I love that promise. We don't have to be afraid when the pressure comes, when the heat comes. We can still be productive even when there's drought going on everywhere else because our roots aren't in the world. Our roots are in God. Our economy's in God. Our source is in God. And that gives us strength and it gives us a hope and an expectation that's different. You got to remember you are positioned differently because of your relationship with the Lord. One more story and I'll close. John Ortberg is a, is a pastor in California. He said a number of years ago, he and two of his church buddies were walking past a bar in Newport Beach, California, when a fight that had started in the bar spilled out. And it spilled out onto the street. And he said they saw two or three guys just beating up on one guy. And man, they're just beating him down and he's bleeding. And so they felt like they had to do something. And so they ran over there and said, you know, here are three church staff guys. And they're like, hey, you guys, cut that out. Not very effective. And the, the guys looked at them. He said, but as they looked at them, all of a sudden, the look on their faces began to change. And, and their, their eyes got wide. And, and their faces began to show some fear. And, and then they began to slink away. John Ortberg said he, he turned around. He said, and... He saw the biggest guy I'd ever seen had come out of the bar. He said this guy was, he said about six, seven, he must have weighed 300 pounds with about 2% body fat. And he stood there flexing, looking at these guys who were assaulting this other guy like he, he just were, was waiting on them to come after him. And man, they, they began to take off. John Ortberg said as soon as this guy, they called him Bubby, so that was not his name, but they didn't call him that to his face, but that's what they called him. They said when, when Bubba came out and Bubba started flexing and looking at these guys and they began to slink out, Ortberg said, it changed our whole perspective. We got real brave. We we're like, yeah, and don't ever come back again. He said, we weren't strong because of who we were. He said, we were strong because six foot seven Bubba was behind us. He said, it changed my whole perspective. He said, now we're confident. Now we're, now we're, we're bold. Now we're, we have resolve in our voice. And now we're not afraid. He said, I wonder what it would be like if I walked around and Bubba was with me all the time. It would change my whole perspective on life. Don't mess with me because Bubba is on my side. Don't mess with me because... Bubba is, is backing me up. <laughs> but Bubba can't be with you 24-7. And we don't always have a Bubba to come around, but every writer in the gospel, every writer in the Bible reminds us we have a big God. And our perspective is, is resolve. Our perspective is courage. Our perspective is confidence because we're not standing alone. We're standing with Him. As long as we're standing with Him, we can resist the fear. We can stop the fear in our lives and we can be a light and an encouragement to the people around us. We're going to say a prayer in just a moment. And if you've never had an opportunity that, that, that you say, you know what? I don't know that I've ever made Jesus Christ the Lord and Savior of my life. We want to give you an opportunity to do that. I'm going to lead you in a prayer. You can, you can, you can text 
um, or you can actually tap, depends on what format you're watching, but I believe you can, you can indicate that you're, you're acknowledging God on, on one of our platforms, but you can always text in 313131. And if you text the word in, we'll get some information back to you. But we want to give you a chance to pray. If you've never prayed, maybe you've never asked the Lord to be the Lord of your life, or maybe you're one who's never made a decision or, or maybe you got away from him. And you're saying, man, I need to, I need to come back. I need to, I need to have a relationship with the Lord. I'm gonna lead you in this prayer. You pray it with me as, I, as we pray it out loud. Say, dear God, I know mankind needs a savior and I know I can't save myself. Jesus, I believe you're the son of God. I believe you died on the cross for my sins and God raised you from the dead. Right now, I confess you as my Lord, as my Savior, as the one who forgives me and restores me. Thank you, Jesus. My past is forgiven. I have a relationship with you. I'm a new creation in Christ because I've said yes to you. Amen. Man, that's a great prayer. It's simple, but it's powerful acknowledging that God raised Jesus from the dead and you acknowledging him as your Lord or you're acknowledging that you're coming back to him. Text us at 313131. Let us know. You can, always, you can always contact us through ARC Info. You can contact us online. We're going to be praying for you. And I just want to let you know, guys, we're, we are praying for you, Peter. We're praying for our country. We're asking God to heal our land. We believe that God can work some great things in the middle of this. And we're praying for you. Let me bless you. Before we go, may the Lord bless you and protect you. May the Lord smile on you and be gracious to you. May the Lord show you his favor, favor and give you his peace. We love you. We're praying for you. Thanks for watching. Thanks for listening to this message. For more about The Ark, visit thearkchurch.com.